Hey, everybody. Just wanted to pop on real quick and say, for one, I am so excited about this episode because it is chock full of very tangible tips that can help you to soothe your own nervous system as you go throughout your life. So I truly think this will be just like a little mini masterclass for all of us. And I want to say that I do have some spots open for individual and parent coaching. So if you feel called to go a little deeper, just go to my website on my Instagram bio and send me a email and we can get that going. So I just have a couple of slots left and I wanted to make sure that those that felt called to do it had the option. So enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. I am so, I just, I'm always so excited because there are just so many amazing people that I know. And Andapree Rogers is here today, you guys. Andapree Rogers. Say, hey, Andapree. Sorry. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. She is the executive director of Resources for Resilience, which is a nonprofit agency that started in the last five years. Yeah, 2017. Okay, nailed it. Wait, six years? Yeah, that's five, five to six years. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, to promote this new nervous system level information that we have through the ACEs study that we will talk about, through promoting our communities, our first responders, our educators, our therapists, our physicians, right? Our parents mm -hmm. to promote and just amplify the toolkit for all people of all like stages and places of life to internalize and understand how our nervous system works, how to internalize and build up strategies in our day-to-day -day lives to promote resiliency now that we know what happens to the nervous system when we've had anything but. So she's just on the forefront in this very macro sense of changing the culture that we live in to have a full working understanding of how our nervous system works. And I just could not be more pumped to talk to you about it today. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. And that, what a great summary of what we're doing. Thank you. <laughs> Cool. I was hoping I could do that. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny in Dupree. So my first job out of graduate school in 2000, I think nine was working for Anne Dupree. We had a mutual friend and she was my clinical supervisor. And she, so she has a long history of doing clinical work, probably what, 20 years before you left and went into this macro social work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yep. 1999, I finished grad school in clinical social work. And um, yeah, so about, I don't know, time, 15 plus years of that before I um, moved over to this. So. Yeah, so she's seen it all, you guys. She's seen so much shift in the culture. She's seen, she's mentored and, and supervised so many clinicians. She's had so much on the ground work. And when I decided to leave, if y'all listened to my first episode of the podcast, when I decided to leave DSS and I learned about these strategies we're going to talk about in my job working for the county, actually. And it was just this huge light bulb moment. I learned about ACEs. I learned about the interpersonal neurobiology there. I reconnected with Anne Dupree to help me do some supervision and to help me I don't know if you remember this, Andrew Pree. I remember sitting with you at a Starbucks and just having this light bulb moment of, I want to honor the research of ACEs by supporting parents and doing this work, this clinical work with parents that are voluntarily deciding to work with me to chip away at this, this cultural problem that we have, that parents do not understand the physiology and the impact of their childhoods and also the power that they have in their parent-child relationship. So you were foundational in helping me just nudging me and supporting me and validating me and going off and doing that, which was about five years ago too, because you were about to start RFR at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that conversation and just like parents deserve to know, right? This is not just in the hands of the therapist and the doctors and the nurses and those practitioners, it's for everybody and parents need and deserve to have access to the information just like the rest of us. Absolutely. And and we met up about a year ago, I feel like too, at another coffee shop that was not a Starbucks because I don't want to, I want to go local and I'm embarrassed to say we were at a Starbucks the first time. But um, I remember we were talking about how my practice had developed and you said, this is the future of therapy. Do you remember that? 
I don't remember saying that, but I'm glad I did. I mean, I believe it. I think um, this is an important piece and an, for a long time has been missing from a lot of people's practices. Not all, like some therapists have known this um, for a long time, but yeah, many have not. I did mm -hmm. not. I did not mm -hmm. learn the somatic mm -hmm. piece um, mm -hmm. in grad school for sure. Um, and yeah. The, the neurobiology. I mean, we've learned a lot in the last decade. Even. Yeah, so, yeah. So much of what we know is, is both ancient wisdom. Yes. <laughs> it's been around forever. Right. But also legitimized by, you know, modern research. technology. Yeah, exactly. We can do brain scans and stuff. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, the field mm -hmm. is, is, you know, there's new information in the last decade or two for sure. Um, but, but still, everybody needs to know it. We need to get is, it out there. Yes, and isn't that so ironic that the modern technology that has actually created so much disconnection and stress has has validated the primal technology <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. that is running the show and is so negatively impacted by the technology that illuminates what's actually happening in our physiology. Yep. Yeah. I want to get into what y'all are doing on the ground and also what you mentioned earlier around, yes, some clinicians found their way to the somatic piece, meaning the, the wisdom of the body, right? The physiology that's actually happening because the clinical space, the psychology of the West has overly relied on the cognitive functions of our brain and ignored the somatic part of our physiology, which now we understand 80% of the messages the body is, or the brain is getting about emotions and about safety of the world is coming from the body up. At least 80%. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And so some clinicians have found their way there. Doctors are not trained to, are not trained in this, right? At all. Mm -mm. This is just voluntary. Maybe you can find some Gabor Mate or some Dan Siegel, but it's not normalized or institutionalized in the systems that they operate within and come up within. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Right. And people like you and me, and there's so many others get really excited. And, and as we're trained in social work, it's really this social justice piece of putting this knowledge in the hands of people so that mm -hmm. we can have safer, more resilient communities. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a social justice imperative to get this information out, I think. I, I love that. I love that. So mm -hmm. tell me, tell me more about this work and how you found it and just, just riff yeah. on RFR for us, please. So I, you know, I had been working in clinical settings, mostly with children and families, school settings, hospital settings, community mental health, um, a lot of the families I worked with were involved with DSS um, and that that type of level of um, of need for services. Yeah. Um, and then I literally saw, I think the big moment was I watched that Nadine Burke Harris TED talk about the ACE study. Literally and, watched it right before we got on the phone yeah, so that I okay. could just brush up. Okay. Yeah. Red and I'm like, yes. okay, that explains everything. There it is. Everything I've seen in 15 years of child and family social work yep. is pretty much explained by this. Um, yep. And it was like this giant light bulb. And then it was almost immediately, okay, what do we do about it? Yes. Now that we know, what do we do? And, um, and then, so it, that was kind of my entrance and it evolved from there. One thing she doesn't talk about, she talks about ACEs as an adverse childhood experience is super important to know and understand and try to prevent and mitigate the impact of and all of that, but also the other ACEs as in adverse community environments and atrocious cultural experiences. Mm -hmm. So what happens in the home matters, certainly, but what happens systemically what has happened historically, culturally, intergenerationally, yes. all that matters very much too. And so um, if I, I can have the, the safest, lovingest family in the world, but if, if, my, if my home is in the middle of 
uh, neighborhood that doesn't have access to safe water and food and um, you know if there's if there is um, systemic oppression if there is uh, mass incarceration going on of my people um, all those things all those social justice um, realities that um, deny people access that impacts nervous system health and well-being too so the current cultural um you know atrocities and historically how you know my grandmother's trauma can be um if affecting my nervous system um through epigenetics all, all so. well and 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 let's also assume that no one knows what aces is for so this is what the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study is. So in the mid-90s, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, and Kaiser Permanente, one of the largest insurance companies in the West, um, they both had physicians that, that pioneered this study where they asked 1,700,000 adults about these adverse childhood experiences and if they had experienced them. And what they are is physical, emotional, sexual abuse, physical, emotional neglect, being raised by a parent with addiction or mental illness, incarceration of a parent, divorce or separation from a caregiver, and domestic violence. They correlated the number of ACEs that people reported to their health outcomes, and they found these staggering results, which is what Andapri just alluded to, which is not only does it increase the likelihood that you're going to have mental illness and addiction issues, which is what we've always just culturally assumed is that's what happens, right? Now, because of this groundbreaking study that again was done so long ago when you think about it, but we're mm -hmm. still, I read Andapri that it takes 17 years for the research to hit the culture. Mm -hmm. Doesn't yeah, that feel true? I've heard you say that in the last podcast. Yeah. Long yeah. time. Long yeah. time. So 67 of the population had at least one. So let's also just normalize how common it is to have an adverse childhood experience, right? Um, and I think a lot of us are kind of like ticking in our head of, okay, wow, right? And And I... What I also want to say, too, is that think about this emotional neglect piece and the mainstream parenting model that mm -hmm. is pretty much embedded with emotional neglect, right? Yeah. So, but one in eight had four or more ACEs. And so what the, the more ACEs that you have experienced, what they found is that this dramatically increases the risk of your body having seven out of 10 of the leading causes of death in the United States. In high doses, it affects brain development, the immune system, the hormonal systems, and even our DNA. High exposure to adverse childhood experiences triples the lifetime risk of heart disease and lung cancer and causes a 20-year difference in life expectancy. And yet doctors are not trained in routine screening or treatment. And there are real neurological reasons that people exposed to trauma engage in a healthy at-risk behavior that we associate with some of these maladaptive quote-unquote strategies that increase obesity, like lead to obesity, lead to addiction, lead to all these kind of lifestyle factors that we've historically thought are the cause of these health problems. Actually, yes, that's at play to some degree. And again, all of that is rooted in the physiological responses that are leading to these lifestyle behaviors. But the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is the brain and the body's stress response system that governs our fight or flight response, is actually what's at play to affect our immune response, our hormonal responses, our DNA. And that is happening beneath the current, especially in this vulnerable, developing child body mm -hmm. that results in higher levels of disease that have nothing to do with external input with lifestyle substances. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And then when I'm in fight or flight, when I, when I have to be in fight or flight a lot of the time, because mm -hmm. either things are unsafe at home or I live in a society that tells me you're not really safe here yeah. you're, you you're not safe you're not welcome your people aren't safe and welcome like 
again, the system or the household or sure. both. Um, I'm, I'm in fight or flight or freeze a lot of the time. Yeah. And over time, it affects all those systems that can impact my health. So we right. are, you know, the, a huge part of our work is teaching people about the fight, flight, freeze response, what that is, and then teaching tools to help turn it off when I don't need to be in fight or flight for my own safety right now, yeah. then I need to not be in fight or flight. I don't need that activation because it's going to have an impact on my health. Also, I need to be able to think clearly and make decisions and sit here and connect with you and go to my third grade classroom and do my math and all the things. When right. I'm in fight or flight, I can't do all those things exactly um, effectively. So it's both about my health and about like how I'm showing up and being whatever I need to be in the world today, a teacher, a student, a parent, um, and freeze. You know, we talk about fight or flight a lot. There's also freeze, which is just the kind of, um, if fight or flight is too much activation, freeze is like there was activation behind it. It started with a stress response, but then it's like the brake pedal on top of the gas pedal. That also um, is a dysregulated nervous system and over time causes the same, you know, health problems or can. Absolutely. I, I, I see that a lot too in kids that freeze and parents mm -hmm. are still poking and trying to pull them out with more like questions and threats and mm -hmm. like, and, and really not understanding the freeze response at play mm -hmm. and what it looks like. And so we need to really um, empower people to understand that as well. So what are these strategies? Go ahead and tell us, please. My God. Yeah. So, um, so the, the resources for resilience is the name of the nonprofit. Our main curriculum that we teach these workshops and trainings that we will teach literally anybody with the nervous system, <laughs> um, which is all of us, right? Mm -hmm. We teach teachers and social workers and nurses and first responders and law enforcement officers and individuals incarcerated at the bunkum oh, or detained wow. at the bunkum yeah. detention center, like yeah. anyone that mm. will, wants it, we will teach these workshops. Um, and for them, you know, our, our biggest audience has been educators, early childhood and secondary um, and kind of the social work, nursing, counseling fields. Um, yeah. But we will teach anybody. And we did before COVID, we did a couple of um, like, oh, I think close to 20 full workshops at the Buncombe Detention Center for both men and women. We did them separately, um, but we taught the nervous system information and the resiliency tools to people that were detained. And um, wow. it's not it, it really any different from teaching a group of nurses, maybe the delivery a little bit, but it's, this is all of us, right? Mm. Um, yeah. So the, there are set, so in the main re, and so that workshop, that curriculum is called reconnect for resilience. So the nonprofit is resources for resilience. Mm -hmm. The curriculum is reconnect for resilience and we call it reconnect for short. Um, so in reconnect, you learn seven tools, but it's really more like 15. But anyway, so you learn these seven tools. Um, anybody can learn them and anybody can teach this. So yeah. I'm a clinician. A lot of the people that teach these workshops are have clinical backgrounds but not everybody. We have people with lived experience of incarceration, homelessness, high ACE scores themselves. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Teaching these workshops right alongside the psychologist, so and good. The, you know, MD. Um, that's that empathy piece. You got to have it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm not mm -hmm. preaching down from my pulpit. I, I get it. I'm with you. I know it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, the main tool called sense in, as in my senses, sense yeah. in the five senses, yeah, the five senses. And so sense in to us means right now in this present moment, notice how you're feeling physically, right? So we know that when we're stressed, uh, we feel that physically, we might feel tight or tense or jittery or sick or right. So it's embodied mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sensation means body. So right. we feel it in our body. 
But we also can start to notice when we're not stressed, when we're feeling better, when we're feeling good, when we're feeling safe and connected, when we're feeling seen and heard, when we're feeling just relaxed because it's a beautiful fall day, we can notice the physical embodied experience of feeling good too. And it might be a little more subtle. We're really good at noticing the negative. I'm really good at noticing when I feel awful Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. really jittery, but I'm going to start to notice like right now, I feel, I feel fine. I'm enjoying this. I'm safe. We've known each other for years. Um, So I'm going to notice that I just took a deep breath, right? My breathing is kind of nice and expanded. My face is relaxed. I'm not clenching. I'm feeling kind of open. My temperature feels right. Um, You know, I'm comfortable. I feel supported by this chair I'm sitting in. So like I'm just sensing and I'm noticing physical sensation in the present moment. What do I notice physically? And the things that feel good or better or even just kind of neutral compared to feeling not so great when I'm in a stress response, I'm going to really sort of savor Mm -hmm. and notice and like marinate in those sensations that feel good, that feel positive. Totally. And I want to add one little thing that really helped me as I was learning to freaking notice the sensations in my body for the Uh first time in my thirties, putting on music that you love. Like for Mm -hmm. me, it would be like, you know, the four tops, just super, you know, happy sixties music and noticing how that feels Mm -hmm. and then putting on some music that I hate, like heavy metal Mm -hmm. and noticing Mm -hmm. that shift really highlighting like with my brain, like this, the sensations in my body. So that can be a great little exercise someone can do. Love that. that. Yeah. 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 We, it can take a minute to sort of, some of us just can do this naturally, but others of us really live in our heads, not in our bodies. And again, we might notice pain, but we're Uh not so great at noticing the good, the good stuff, right? Yeah. And it's important to really notice and sense in, really savor those sensations that are positive because that helps communicate to our survival brain, to our nervous system. Right. Right now you're safe. Right now you're you're good. And yeah. um when we can really with attention and intention pay pay attention, right? Yeah, yeah. We are creating neural pathways in our brain around these positive, safe, good experiences. And um, we have to sometimes work a little harder to wire those in. The negative, traumatic, high stress, that stuff kind of gets remembered without us wanting to necessarily remember it or trying. Mm -hmm. The positive, when we sense in, it helps it kind of give it staying power. So I'm going to enjoy this moment. I have positive thoughts about it. I have positive emotions about it. And to make it like even better, I also notice in this embodied experience, I also feel really settled, grounded, open and warm. Absolutely. And have you heard the language around glimmers that's getting a little more well known? Uh No. So it's the opposite of triggers, right? Okay. Glimmers are these moments of, oh, I feel so good with my cup of tea. Oh, look at these leaves are so beautiful and Mm -hmm. really savoring the sensation like you're talking about to build this neuropathway of, oh, this feels so good. Oh, I am so safe. Oh, I feel so content. And so let's let's put that in the zeitgeist so we can more understand because the brain is naturally cares about survival more than you feeling great. So it's Teflon for, it's Teflon for good experiences and Velcro for negative ones. And so we have to very intentionally, like you're talking about, just savor the shiitake out of the good stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I haven't heard glimmers. Um, (laughs) Peter Levine, who developed somatic experiencing, which a lot of our work is based off of, calls glimmers resources. Mm. So our resource, our resource moments. Yeah. and uh, that's one of the tools. I'll, I'll go through that in a minute. But yeah, so, but I like glimmers too, because kind of resources can, can sometimes be sort of like deeper memory experiences that are, that are positive or comforting. Sounds like glimmers might just be something real small, like in your favorite, immediate yeah, experience in the present moment right here. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. I can't help so, but like, 
Yeah, of course. So SenseIn is, we use SenseIn with all the other six tools. So SenseIn is in the middle. So with every tool, we're right. always coming back to the body. What do mm -hmm. you notice right now physically? As you do X, Y, or Z tool, what are you noticing? And we yeah. get really curious. What are you noticing? What else are you noticing? Mm -hmm. And when we notice things that feel good or better, okay, let's really take a minute. Let's let those kind of sink in. Mm -hmm. So um, another tool um, is called um, uh, redirect. And all that that is, is when we are having physical or emotional discomfort, you know, maybe I have a headache or maybe I'm feeling that anxiety feeling in my chest that I don't like. Okay. Acknowledge it. There it is. And then, and then um, sort of immediately get really curious where in my body does not feel so bad. What, what feels better than that headache or mm. that tight chest of anxiety? And I'll go, Hmm, where does feel better? And I'll like with kids, I'll be like, let's get the flashlight out. Let's shine the flashlight where, Oh, my feet, my feet. I'm going to go yeah. down there. They don't hurt. They're warm. I've got great shoes on today, you know? Mm -hmm. And okay, so I'm going to really sense in back mm -hmm. to like noticing the sensation of like every toe, the sole of my shoe and my sock, like all the details. I might move it around as I sense in to a place that felt better than the thing that didn't feel so great. Redirect. Oftentimes, the tension and the headache lessens. Sometimes it goes away altogether. Also, I might start to kind of loosen up all over like maybe I was holding tension because oh god I don't want to have a headache all right well now I'm noticing my feet and oh my shoulders just dropped um my jaw relaxed and uh anyway it's as simple as that that's redirect yeah, yeah. um okay then we have um what we have a set of tools we call them rapid resets and there, are, I think there are eight of them, which is why is it seven tools or is it 15 <laughs> right. tools? But anyway, an example of a rapid reset, some of these are, are used commonly like grounding. Um, every rapid reset are things we all do all the time. What makes them different as a resiliency tool is we also sense in, we notice okay. our body. So for example, um, grounding we all we've heard that term a lot so what grounding means for us is in this present moment notice all the places your body is being supported right now so if you're sitting in a chair notice how the seat of the chair is holding your seat mm -hmm. if your back is up against I'm up against a cushion I'm noticing how this cushion is supporting from like mid back to lower back my feet are on the ground. I'm noticing the support of the, my porch floor on mm -hmm. my, um, so I'm just noticing all these places of like contact and support. And as I do that, I sense in. So I notice support. What else do I notice? I notice I just took another deep breath. I notice um, kind of some softening around my eyes. I think my voice, if we had like a monitor, probably just came down a little bit in right. what pitch, tone. Sure. So I'm grounding. So I ground and I sense in. So that's that's a rapid reset. I can do it during a meeting when I get <laughs> nervous because the parent in, is upset with the teacher and I'm mm -hmm. supposed to mediate mm -hmm. that. Like, oh gosh, I'm grounding. Um, another rapid reset is um, taking a sip of water or right. tea. Yeah. So simple. We've done this. We've done, we offer people tea when they come over since the beginning of time we yes. offer, right? So what makes it a rapid reset is I'm going to really pay attention to the sensation of the sip. Um, what's the temperature? Is there texture flavor? Is it ice or bubbles or still? Um, is it cold or warm? Notice how it goes down my throat. How far can I literally track it? When does it like, I can't notice it anymore. Is it like mid chest? Can I feel yeah. it all the way down to my stomach? And really mindfully just notice the sip, maybe take a couple of sips and, and then continue to sense in again. What, what else do I notice as I take a sip? And I think of that in terms of your 
with this big brain, we can remember this language that you're teaching us, but understand that we're giving input to our physiology of if I'm drinking water, I am not literally about to get mauled by a tiger right now. Exactly. Right. Like mm-hmm. we're, or if I'm sitting in a chair, if I feel my body with the chair underneath me and I can smell, use any of these five senses to pull your physiology into this present experience, which is literally, literally safe. Right. That's ultimately the way I think about it that helps me understand that I've got to give intentional input to my nervous system that has misread the environment as, oh no, if this teacher and this mom get into a fight, I've done a bad job and I'm not good at it. And it's, and it reminds me of my, my childhood or all the things that go da, 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 mm-hmm. so fast. We have to intentionally say, I am in this, I am in this room. I am good at my job. I am safe. I am okay. I like to say mm-hmm. I'm loved. I'm safe. I have everything I need. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I also have to, to your, also your water example, like I've told parents, when your child has lost their mind and they're full tantrum, offer them a pack of gummies. And I know it sounds like we're rewarding, but what we're doing is we're pulling their physiology back into safety by getting them to engage their, their mouth, their digestive system to give input to their body. Also like really cold or really hot food increases that sensation you're talking about. Mm-hmm to get them to focus on that modulation that we have to do and to, again, give just those signals to the body. We're safe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So all these tools are about communicating to the survival brain, the fight, yeah. flight, freeze part of our brain. Mm-hmm. Right now you're safe. You may not Little have been runly. safe. Yep. 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 You may not have been safe before, yep. but right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. I'm taking a sip, grounding, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. connecting, yep. resourcing, whatever we're going to do, all these tools are meant to turn off the stress response to get us yep. out of fight or flight. Right now, I'm safe. I don't need fight, flight, freeze. Yep. Um, um, and, and, and we cannot, most of the time, we cannot rationalize our way out of a fight, flight, freeze response. It has to be this bottom-up, somatic, yeah. embodied experience using the senses, both internal and external sensations, tell us we're unsafe. They also tell us we're safe. So we're, we're like harnessing that to, to, to get into the part of the brain that needs the message first, you're safe. And then my thinking brain can come back online and then I can reason and rationalize and make decisions and Mm -hmm, make a repair mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or do it, say, I'm sorry, or whatever needs to happen. But I can't do that first. I got to start at the bottom up, survival, emotional, and then thinking. So Bruce Perry, who we also draw a lot from. So Peter Levine, somatic experiencing, Stephen Porges, polyvagal, and Deb Dana, mm-hmm. polyvagal. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Perry, really child trauma guru mm-hmm. of our time. Mm-hmm. Regulate, relate, reason, mm-hmm. and always in that order. So first regulate. Let's go drink some water and yeah. not talk because yep. my talking brain is up here mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm, presently mm-hmm. offline when I'm in fight or flight. I can't mm-hmm. can't rationalize reason or talk to this little nervous system right now yeah. or a big grown up nervous system. Sure. We're gonna first regulate. Um, go get water. Yeah. Then relate. Then relate. Then connect. I'll get to the connect tool in a minute. Well, I'll mm-hmm. do it right now. The connect tool. Yeah. I see you. I hear mm. you. You mm. make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I see you. I hear you. You make sense to me. I can communicate that what from my nervous system to yours in a bunch of different ways. But the goal is I see you and I hear you and you make sense. And I love and, safe, seen and soothed. Mm-hmm. The yep. three S's, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Of safety, mm-hmm. making them feel safe, seen and soothed in whatever. I was just talking to a parent about that this morning about their three-year-old hitting their baby, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it makes sense to me that you were really frustrated in that moment, like unconditional understanding of whatever was internal, the the internal experience was that led to this moment. Right. Like it can make sense. Yep. And it may, of course you might feel some jealousy about this baby. Your whole life just turned upside down. So not that it's okay, but we don't Mm -hmm, get mm -hmm. to that's not okay yet. So exactly. Regulate, relate. You make sense to me. And then reason when they're back on in their little rational brain that can understand language, then we have the lesson 
right. why it's not okay to hit the baby and we can't ever do that again. And, but, but so often we try to start there. We, that's we how we were taught to, to do. Uh-huh, right. Uh-huh, right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so, um, so yeah, all these tools from the rapid resets to the, to the rest of them are ultimately about speaking to the, um, fight or flight response to get it to, I don't need it right now. It serves me, but it's not serving me right now. So. Well, and, and I'll just say this to you, Andrew Pree. I want, I don't want to interrupt your flow, but I keep having no, thoughts. I want to share, good. you know, regulate, relate reason. And just an example of these sweet, well-meaning parents I saw just this morning. I think that what I'm really noticing in the parenting space is that we're, everyone knows they don't want to be shaming and threatening and doing all the things that were so normalized in our childhood, but they're still doing reasoning before regulating and relating, but they're doing it in a nicer way. Yeah. And then, right? Like that's what they're hearing. Like yeah. we're doing it in such a nicer yeah. way, but we're still skipping the first two steps. Yeah. That are only going to make it happen, right? Right. I'm glad you mentioned that. I have I have said in the in different workshops. I probably usually say this when my when I am trying to speak to an offline brain, when somebody yeah. has been jolted, triggered out of their um, resilient zone and into a fight, flight, freeze response. When I try to talk to them, I sound like the Charlie Brown teacher. They cannot, language processing is in Uh the top part of the brain. They are in the bottom part of the brain. I sound like the Charlie Brown teacher. Even if what I'm saying is kind and reassuring, they still can't hear it. Now, if I'm shaming and blaming with a mean tone, I'm sure that's 10 times worse. But even niceties aren't getting through. When the part of the brain that processes language is temporarily gone on a walk down the street, I got to go bottom up every time. I know. And I remember hearing this example from Dr. Stephen Porges, who, who developed polyvagal theory, that what often happens is that our child triggers something in us and we've gone out of our resilient zone, right? We're in our survival brain and we're speaking and teaching at them. And again, in a very like... I want to, I want to teach you why this isn't bad. I'm, I'm doing all this reasoning with you. We're unconsciously trying to downregulate ourselves because we feel like we're taking power over the situation and we're actually doing something about it. Cause this behavior has to stop right now. Cause it makes me feel like a bad parent. It makes me feel unsafe. So our child is sitting there on the receiving end, hearing just that wah, 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 like, you know, Charlie Brown parent. And we're, they're getting even more dysregulated and we're so frustrated. They can't hear us. We're like, mm-hmm. hey, you need to listen to me. Why can't you listen to me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we need to flip that actually, and maybe get them a drink of water, but also get them talking to downregulate them right into mm-hmm. their thinking brain of tell me what happened. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. And we get them talking and actually language can, when we get our kid to talk about the thing they care about, which is how much I hate my little brother right now and how hard life is and all the things that ability to use language is downregulating them right into that like fully integrated brain, the Mm -hmm. forehead brain comes back online and then we can communicate. But anyway, I thought that was so interesting that Dr. Stephen Porges was saying that typical go-to pathway parents take of speaking and teaching is really our unconscious desire to downregulate our system. And uh-huh. then we're frustrated with our kid for not responding in that way, but we're making them even more escalated and yep. expecting a response from them. They even won't keep eye contact with us because that feels too invasive. Yeah. Their threat yeah. response is detected. They know they shouldn't maybe yell back or walk away, but we're like, Hey, look at me. I need you to listen. Mm-hmm. But their response is not, we're, we're, we're totally missing each other. Yep. Yep. So anyway. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Keep um, going. okay. Let's Sorry. see. Um, I keep apologizing. So connect, we talked about, so connect is the tool of, I see you, I hear you, you make sense to me when I'm upset, when I'm stressed, being with somebody who is safe and present and their nervous system communicates to mine, you're not alone. Um, and then I sense into that when I am seen and heard and understood, I can breathe again. I can, (laughs) I can 
my, my heart is no longer racing because um, I have been met with empathy. Um, mm. And uh, so we sense in every time and we, you know, in the, in the workshops, we practice different ways to um, communicate safety, but it's the connect tool and the power of it um, lets us know how important it is how we show up. Whether we're a therapist or a parent or a teacher or just a neighbor, how I show up, my nervous system is going to affect your nervous system. Every interaction has a reaction in the other person, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we are thinking about, you know, this thing of like (laughs) self-care, it's so not selfish to do things that are good for yourself and your own nervous system so that you can show up. It's, it's, you know, critically important to, um, take care of your own nervous system health so you can be all the things for, for all the people. Um, and that's the whole deal of this podcast and my whole practice Mm -hmm. flipping it Mm -hmm. on its head. And as adults walking around, We've been betraying and ignoring our own nervous system needs for decades. Mm-hmm. And it's These getting teach- worse, not better. It's, it's getting worse, not better, way, right? Way, yeah. Yeah. Tell me what mm-hmm. Tell me what you mean by that. Like, Well, just the distraction, the phones, the, you know. Rates of mental illness, yeah. the rates of suicide, the, the autoimmune disorders. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that all, everything's going up, 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 health, yeah. mental health, addiction. The, di- the disconnection. Um, I remember when COVID first hit, Brian Combs from Haywood Street Congregation, that's a homeless mission here in Asheville. Yeah. They do amazing work. I plan to he have him on. He wrote this beautiful letter about mm. COVID and he said it's, I won't get this quite right, but it's, it's not going to be the, you know, the virus that, that does us in. It'll be the loneliness. Oh, the isolation. Wow. Human beings are wired for connection. And this is Porges, Deb Dana, yep. Renee Brown. Right. Yes, we're wired for survival. We'll go into fight, flight, freeze when we feel threatened. But first and foremost, we're wired for connection. And if we can connect because, you know, there are safe people to connect with. It can keep me from going into fight, flight, or freeze. Right. We seek um, safety yeah. in each other. Yep. And stress and is I'm, contagious and safety is contagious. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. And if I've gone into fight, flight, freeze, because that has been my autonomic, automatic nervous system response. Yeah. We want to create systems, classroom systems, office systems, wherever we live and work. Yeah. We want to create systems that allow people to get back to connect as quickly Mm. as possible. I've gone into fight, flight, or freeze. We will all do that. That happens to all of us, but I'm not going to be shamed and blamed and judged and isolated for that. I'm going to be welcomed back with connection as soon as I can be, because that's where, that's the only place we can learn and grow and thrive and take care of each other is when we're in connect. And that's that beauty of like making this knowledge more mainstream because, Hey, your protective response really kicked in just now. My gosh, you know, we can have distance and objectivity from our protective responses as, you know, an organ organs in my body, not my personality, not my identity. Mm -hmm. And that, that accountability and safety in all spaces of starting at the home is, is where I'm putting all my energy. Right. But I love that you're doing this community level work around, us bringing this language and awareness into all spaces so that we can feel safe enough to learn from it and to return into connection. Mm-hmm. Cause exactly. we can't learn when we're feeling shame. We right. will self-protect right. and accountability goes out the window. Yep. That's another tool is called the restore tool. And it's yeah. about when we've experienced shame, it's about offering compassion mm. when we've had experiences of shame. We know that shame puts us into fight, flight, or freeze quicker than anything else. Oh, yeah. When we are out of our zone and in a fight, flight response because of shame, we're going to go into attack mode, yeah. um, self or others. When we're shut down because of shame, we're going to be in like, you know, those behaviors like numbing, uh, numbing. Yeah. yeah. All yeah, the yeah, ways yeah. we numb. Yeah. So, you know, since time began, we've 
thought shame can control behavior. And so well-meaning, well-meaning mm-hmm. parents and teachers have used shame for, forever, mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually produce what we want it to. It, no. it might um, quiet somebody down for a minute, but they're Short over there, when they're over there planning their <laughs> revenge, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so what do we do with shame? We we douse it with compassion and empathy. And so the restore tool is all about um, giving ourselves and others compassion when we've Mm. experienced shame. So we'd kind of do a whole exercise around compassion. And then I think the last one is, oh, highlight is when we've been through, like take out your highlighter, when we've been through something really hard uh, or we're going through something really hard, highlight is about, okay, here's the story. There's a lot of really hard things in this story. Oftentimes, alongside the things that are hard, there is also something helpful. There is something hopeful. There is a moment where in the midst of this incredibly hard thing, I have been walking through um, this beautiful thing happened or this Mm. a little bit better thing happened Mm -hmm. and so we honor the parts of the story that are the hard but we also like take out the highlighter tell me um about a time in the last couple weeks as you navigated this where things felt even a teeny tiny bit better tell me about that and paint that picture and since then always back to and notice your body um, mm-hmm. Or when was the moment you knew you would be okay? When was the moment you know you you had survived that? Or who helped you through that? Who or what helped you make it through? Paint the picture of that with all the details you can remember and sense in again. Right, your savor the think, sensation savor of it. ooh, that savor felt it. so good when they yep. hugged me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was mm-hmm. listening to the one on grief, and that you yeah. know, it's like. People say kind words, but it was that bear hug. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she said that in two episodes ago, I remembered immediately after my grandfather died years ago, uh, a woman at his funeral just, I didn't even know her that well, but my gosh, I will never forget that hug, right? And so just that's a highlight in wow. the midst of a hard time. And it was beyond words. and. You know, I just loved that story. I loved that pod, that episode too. Oh, Jillian, um, I know. Yeah. God. So, so that's highlight. Mm. Um, and always sensing in, coming back to, you know, when I, I knew I was going to be okay when, whatever, when the, the paramedic grabbed my hand and said, I got you. Okay. So I play that back. What did his yeah. hand feel like in my hand? What did he right. sound like? And right now, as I remember back to that moment, like I might have tears come to my eyes. I might mm. shake some, my nervous system releasing. Like I had a traumatic experience and, and I'm, I am okay. And I can sense in now to that memory of the part that was the okay, the, the help, the hope. Um, so that's highlight. And then the last one we touched on um, a minute ago, resourcing. So glimmers. Um, so a resource Anything that makes you feel better, your people, your garden, your favorite vacation spot, mm-hmm. you kind of let a resource come into your mind's eye, like a time in the last few weeks, months, days, whatever, where you felt kind of okay or pretty good or amazing or just okay. If you've been feeling really, yeah, a little less terrible. If you've been Mm -hmm. feeling rotten, it's going to just be a little less terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you let your subconscious find it. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of resources and sometimes they're like, well, there's the garden and the dog and the flowers and the, but what comes and you like, okay, I'm going to go with that one. And maybe it is like a day on the lake in August. All right. You go back there in your mind, make a, paint the picture of it. Every sensory detail you can muster from that moment and get specific. Where were you? What did it feel like? The Mm. sun, the sounds, the breeze, who like was daydream it, you. right? Daydream like, it. like imagine it, yeah. daydream it. You're and watching imag- the movie yeah. in your mind. Make yeah. the movie right, more right, right. and more like a Polaroid picture, mm-hmm. more and more like 
sensory memory come into it. Every yep. like, yep. where were you sitting? What was being said or laughed about? Yeah. Who was there? And Time then as you to like, it. let it develop, you're sensing in. So right now I'm noticing warmth, even though that was six weeks ago on a super hot day. I can feel some really, I can sense into some really positive um, sensations in my physical experience right now based yeah. on that resource. And as I do that, I'm creating a neural pathway around that memory even deeper. I'm like giving it staying power and, and I'm doing something great for my nervous system in the moment. I just like totally put the parasympathetic brake pedal response in. Like I am like, Ooh. More grounded than ever since an hour ago, right? And, and that's it takes, resource. What, yeah. Maybe like it's two minutes. It's invisible. It's yeah. free. Mm -hmm. You can do it any old place, yep. Yep. right? Like it's mm -hmm. these it's these tiny interventions throughout our day, mm -hmm. right? That like we have total agency over. And I think it's so important to, to highlight too how we can bring our power back and know how yes. powerful we are. Yes, absolutely. Right? To intentionally give this like, safe sensory input to our nervous mm -hmm. system of literally, I am not about to die right now, which mm -hmm. is really the root of all of this. Like mm -hmm. forget the details, forget the logistics. The root of it is my nervous system is going, is like getting some tiny input from this present experience that it's associating with a time where I felt unsafe. And I, and so I have to give this intentional input back in. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. All these things can be used as we go about our day. Yeah. Um, no, no referral needed. Right. We have this, no money. We have yep. no money. We have mm -hmm, this agency. Mm -hmm. We have this. We can do this, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, if I am extremely, let's say I have an extremely highly strung nervous system, like I have extreme ADHD or something and a lot of stress going on, a sip of water will help. But I might need to also go running for two two miles. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, if I'm really, really activated, I might need to do more and deeper, right? I don't want to say, like, you just sip some water and all your problems are solved, right? Yeah, no, I know, but, I know, yeah. Daydream but, and sip some water, we're good. Right, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I'm not at all saying that people some people who've experienced trauma do need good therapy. Absolutely. Need, like, good there's points. such good <laughs> yes, therapy yes, yes, out yes, yes, there. Yes. There really is. I know. But this, this stuff is for the everybody all the time. Right, 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 it, right. Practice it. It will help us navigate the hard things that are around the corner that we don't even know yet. It yep. can help us get, um, you know, unstuck. Um, and it yeah. just makes our day better and makes the people around us day better because we're in our zone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's just keep shouting it from the rooftops. We have about like 10 more minutes. I want to, okay. I just, I'm, I'm already greedy for like, gosh, this isn't enough. Um, but you know, what are some, I, I, I know that as we send our kids out to schools, there's so many reasons for us to feel you know, so vulnerable and afraid of what that looks like. And and what are you noticing? You said you do a lot of work with teachers and childcare providers. What is that? Like, are, I know y'all are still figuring out um, the evidence-based piece around the work that y'all are doing, even though you're using evidence-based strategies, absolutely, okay. yeah. to right. empower these people to use them. And we know they work, but even within these school systems and, and caregivers, like what kind of stories are you hearing or what kind of just anecdotal well, yeah, that's a great question. So one thing I'm hearing from kind of the general message in schools is a lot of kids are really struggling. Yeah. Teenagers are having a really hard time. Early college students are having a yeah. really hard time. Yeah. Certainly not all, but more than more than in the past. Sure. Um, COVID really derailed developmental stages yeah. and socialization and that Plus isolation. social media. That, right, yeah. right, 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 so right, right, right. There's a lot of there's a lot of nervous systems out of balance um, yeah. right now. There's no doubt about it. But let me I want to be like more positive. So I just <laughs> um I just was talking with a teacher. She's um 
couple hours away from here in Cabarrus County. She's a first grade teacher. And she came to these tools a few years ago. She came to a training of ours. She had just had um, in her own personal life, like a major crisis with her dad, had major mm. healthcare scare. And she was sure. like in the throes of that yeah. and almost didn't come to the workshop because she was, you know, dealing with um, helping him and navigating the hospital and the doctor and all that. But she made it. And then was like, oh, my God, thank goodness I came here because I'm needing these tools more than ever. So she now teaches these tools. She uses them on her own nervous system all the time. And she teaches these little tiny children all of these tools. And she talks about she she she's in great touch with me. So on day 18 of school, she's like, it's been it's day 18. So this is, you know, mid-September or whatever. She's like, they're already sensing in talking about their resources and morning group and you know telling each other that they care about each other right and that you know they and she's she has for well she, she talks about how she had no office referrals last year she didn't have to send anybody to the principal to the, to the principal right, right right um one of her colleagues um had a similar experience like two years ago went from being the high not two years because that would have been COVID anyway went from like the highest number of offers referrals in the school to the to zero like in one Ooh. year that you know last year they had the most this year they didn't have any because two things are happening that that they're sharing the tools with their students yeah. yes but also they're using the tools so much on themselves yes. that that's having a contagious effect with their students. And also they're, they're, they're less, you know, reactive, right? right? They're not like, go to the principal. They're more like, okay, I see you. I hear yes. you. Yes. Let's you figure this sense. out. Let's figure yes. this out together. And so <sighs> I get, we get stories like that a lot, just how Gosh. immediately useful the toolbox and, and whether it's a school counselor, a school social worker, or a teacher, they all say, I did not learn this in school. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If After I had any, you know, a any teacher, school. they don't get much at all on behavior classroom management. Um, and so just like they all say, every teacher needs this. My this God. should be like embedded in schools of education and everywhere else. I know, and I, I know, agree. I know, like we're, I know. we're working on it. Right. I know. But that sort of, you know, uh, that, that feedback is super validating, but also like, okay, well, we got to get it. We got to get it to more people. The doctors, the pediatricians, Mm -hmm. the OBs. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the family that just came to me was referred by a psychologist at a child develop at at a child development, like focus in town. And they like, I know what I gave them will work because I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again. I see a lot of the situation. I know it will work. They didn't know, no one, their social workers, their therapists, psychologists, occupational therapists that this person works with, they were like, go see Anne, which is great. But like, they need to know that, like, it's not that complicated, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and we just need to like, continue to put this out into the hands of all the people that are encountering humans. My God, you must feel really good knowing that you're doing that. And Dupree. I mean, I, yeah, it does feel good. I, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. I love being a part of this work and this organization and it's, it's absolute honor and privilege. And yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I do. I want more people to have it, to know about it, to listen to this podcast and because I mean, I really, I, I joke, but I'm not really joking. I'm like world peace, one nervous system <gasps> at a time, you know? My God, I, exactly. That's what I say. Like, this is how we, this is how we like, we equipped, especially hearing about how quickly children learn this stuff. My God, right? Because they're just little sponges and mm-hmm. it, it's so in alignment with how we're designed to be working together, mm-hmm. right? And we're not having to create, like trying to slowly over overpower these old neuropathways that are so strong because the brain will choose the path of least resistance to conserve mm-hmm. energy, right? Mm-hmm. But how powerful parents are, this is what I want everyone to know that 
you are so powerful to equip your children to go out into the world and be these little like change agents and be these little Mm -hmm. like peaceful warriors and be these little like innovators and creators, right? And like have them be operating at like the highest potential of their human abilities. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Because of these strategies we're talking about. Like it's not that complicated. It's just new and unknown and hard to find right now. Yep. But not anymore. That's right. Thanks to <laughs> thanks to this podcast. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, that same teacher who has the first graders, she's like, you know, imagine a world where every child grew up learning this and every parent and teacher got to know it. I like, know. I know. Imagine I know. Where, where we would be in 20 years when all those people are now adults that know, navigate the world in this more compassionate, regulated, connected way. I mean, it's, it's I know. like, yeah. It's possible. It really is. is. I mean, it's like, it's happening. And I'm so grateful for the people that are listening right now. And it is a social justice imperative, not for, I mean, truly, and Dupree and I are social workers at heart. I mean, we, I mean, we were drawn to that instead of the traditional counseling route. Yeah. We are social workers. Like Uh we, we are thinking about this macro sense, this global sense of like how to make the world a better place. It sounds cheesy, but that's who we are. Right. And so it's not just to benefit me or my practice or what have you, like it is really a social justice act to share this podcast with people, right. To, Mm -hmm. to like spread this word because it is just a contagious effect of empowering people with this knowledge. It's really not that complicated and it is, there's nothing more powerful. And I'm seeing it in all spaces and Dupree. Like it's just, we're getting there very slowly. We're, we're getting there very slowly, but I just love the work you're doing. I hate that I have to go. And can I say like yeah. how to find us and stuff? Of course, of course, okay. please. So um, we have a website, of course, resources for resilience, all one word dot com even though we are a nonprofit it's dot com but we're we're a 501c3 mm-hmm. um if you just google resources for resilience asheville we come right up um we have workshops all the time we have community workshops where anybody can come it doesn't matter your background or um education or anything yeah. uh, our next one is november 2nd and 3rd in person in asheville but we can train virtually we can also travel we can train anywhere and everywhere that there's an audience that wants to hear what, um, what we're teaching. Um, so just, you can find us online and, um, and come, we'd love, we love having parents in the audience. Um, and, uh, the more, the more, the merrier. I also just want to say that school systems are listening to parents right now. Mm. Um, and in, in some places but for better or worse, (laughs) um, but no, School systems are listening to parents and what parents want. So if this information resonates with you, talk to your school system people, your principals, your counselors, your superintendents, and say, I want this curriculum in my child's district. Yep. It is. Um, there are many grant opportunities for us to train tons of people in school districts for, for no cost to the um to the school districts. The Center for Safer Schools in North Carolina supports um, trainings like this. So wow. parents can get get the door open so that their child's teachers and counselors can have this information. Okay. Parents are always welcome in the audience. And um, yeah. And they just, can let their school district know or their school know that it will be, they, they can connect whoever they're speaking to with RFR yeah. and, and it will not cost any money out of the school budget. Right. I mean, they have to get the, the school safety grant, but those okay. grants are there. They're, yep. they're well-funded and um, that's how we've gotten into most school districts. Um, Amazing. And it's just because we're making schools safer, right? Compassionate, oh connected, mm-hmm. regulated. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is a safer school. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. 100%. And are y'all funded also by donors or is it all grants? Yeah, we have donors that always appreciate donations mm-hmm. tax mm-hmm. deductible mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. we have some really key um incredible uh folks that have supported us along the way mm. um and we've also gotten some great contracts through like the department of health and human services they've been a great supporter um of our work in a couple different sectors north carolina partner partnership for children's been a great partner wow and and lots of others so yeah mm. it's allowed us to just keep 
growing and building and getting to more people, but we still, there's, you know, there's so many, there's more. more. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So um, please share this with any interested parties you think could help benefit this work as well, because we just need it to get bigger and and more common and, and to every nervous system. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so fired up, Andapree. I just, I'm so, you have been my first and long lasting mentor and inspiration on my clinical journey. And I'm just, it's really cool to be connecting right now where we both sit, right? Like where we both kind of bravely left the clinical world to do the work that we feel really passionate about and proud of us. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And um, this is great. Thank you. I wish we had more time, but I know we're, me too. we're over. So. Me too. Me too. Okay. I'll yeah. talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank y'all so much for being here and spending your precious time and energy and brain space on this world that I'm creating. And please, if this feels resonant with you and you think of people that you want to share this with, I want this to be spread far and wide. It's not about me. It's about the work and the ideas and how much we need to elevate our environment and have as many of our friends and family and as many parents and people waking up to themselves, their own power and how good life can get. Love you guys.